Welcome, everyone. This is Russ Galzo of Chronicles of the End Times. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we're going to do part three of our interview with Reverend Stevie Kraft. And let's dive right into it and pick up where we left off. The church secretary says, do you have an appointment, sir? She's looking me up and down, seeing that I was broken. I says, no, ma'am. She says, well, you can't see Reverend Price without an appointment. I says, ma'am, God told me to come to this church because I heard about this church and I'm not leaving till I see the pastor. She saw she couldn't dissuade me. She got on the intercom and says, Pastor Price, I think you need to come out here and talk to somebody. Mm. He came out. He said, yes, he came out, three-piece suit. He said, yeah, what can I do for you? I never forgot this. If I could see him today, and he's in his 80s now, I would remind him of that story. He says, yeah, what can I do for you? He looked at me up and down. I said, sir, I'm a drug addict, and I just got out of Camarillo State Hospital, and God told me to come to this church, your church, and I need your help. He looked me up and down. He says, oh, really? He says, oh, this is a church. This is not a bank. That was his exact word to me. I never forgot. I said, sir, I know this is a church. That's why I came here. And I'm not, I told your secretary, I'm going to tell you in front of her, I'm not leaving until you obey God. That was boldness rising up in me, broken, garbage bag, compared to him with a three-piece suit on. When I told him that that was the Holy Ghost speaking to him, he turned around, turned his back toward me and looked out the window. And it seemed like it was an eternity, Russell, but it wasn't. It might have been half a minute. Mm. But it, I knew it was God dealing with him right then and there. Because Holy Ghost boldness rose up in me, and I didn't even know what it was. All I knew was after that psychotic experience, I wasn't about man, to leave that church because I knew when I prayed in that room in Camarillo and God says, go to that church, I knew I heard from God. He turned back around, looked at me, he says, what do you need? I said, I need a job, I need fresh clothes, I need a place to stay, I need food, I need everything, sir. He says, do you have a driver's license? I said, yeah. He says, do you know the city? I said, yeah, I know my way around Los Angeles. He says, okay. He says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to take you down to the yellow cab company, and you're going to take the, the taxi hacker's exam. If you pass it, You'll get your face. The face is the license. You'll drive cab. You'll make a percentage off the meter every day. You'll have cash in your pocket. He says, that's the first thing. He says, then I'm going to take you to welfare office. Back in that day, they had a thing called general relief where single men could get social services. He took me there, signed me up for a little ragtag, roach-infested room and a meal ticket. Roach-infested hotel and a meal ticket at a greasy spoon that sat under the hotel. But my needs were met. I had a meal ticket to eat. I had a roach-infested room to sleep. Then he took me to, I don't know, I think it was the Salvation Army and got me secondhand clothes. Then he said, now, he says, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. He says, I want you in this church Every night after you turn your cab in, he says, you better be here. I was humbled. I didn't give him any lip. I said, sir, you're helping me. 
I'll do whatever you tell me. God humbled me, Russell. I would get up in the morning. God would begin to take that, that craving in my gut away. I would go down to the yellow cab company, pick up my cab, drive it around, pick up passengers, would share with them what had happened to me. At the end of the day, they'd give me, it might have been a 60-40 split. And it was always cash money. But instead of me taking that cash and going to Six and Alvarado and picking up drugs, I'd go right back to the, the room, put on clean, fresh clothes, go downstairs to the Greasy Spoon, get a meal, and then go to Crenshaw Christian Center. Every day, because that church was large even then, I would be in there. Morning service on Sunday. Even in service on Sunday night. Little old ladies sewing circle. I just sit in the back and watch them sew. <laughs> Choir practice, youth meeting, prayer meeting, Bible study. If the doors was open, I was in there because the fear of the Lord had taken over me. And I was determined, Russell, day by day to walk the straight and narrow. God honored that. I did that without fail for six months. Then God opened the door through that same church to get me into a, a residential program. And as a result of that, I began to grow spiritually from the inside out because now the word of God was getting in me. Now I was living around Christians who were not only talking the talk, but walking the walk. And I began to grow from the inside out, not from the outside in. So that's how God delivered me and brought me brought me out of this madness of drug addiction. That is amazing. That's an incredible, incredible story. I mean, people don't understand. You know, um, sometimes when you're trying to explain to people, you know, about, well, you know, the Lord spoke to me or I felt the Spirit of the Lord say this to me, you know, they're they're ready to put you uh, or me into the psych ward. You know what I mean? People I don't understand, you know, because oh, that just, God doesn't really speak to people, you know. But he does. He's always broadcasting. We're just tuned in the wrong channel. Exactly. You know, we're just not. We're just not listening. We're just not. We don't have ears to hear, like the scripture says. But he can give us ears to hear. Exactly. You know, and and uh, like so many, myself even, you know, I came to the Lord, you know, practically in an ambulance, twenty six years old, having some kind of heart seizure, because I was living on the wild side, and you know. God could have crushed me like a bug. I was worthless to him at that point. But he looked down the line and he said, this is one I'm going to take. I'm going to save this one. You know, and it took a while, but God kept hammering away. And, you know, I gave my heart to Christ. And, and this, this, your story is a, is a powerful story of how God looks at us. And what he will take us through. And, and for us, it seems like an eternity of, of literal hell. But God looking out the other end of the tunnel. Exactly. He's already seen it. Mm-hmm. He, he lives in all the time zones. Mm-hmm. Alpha and Omega, beginning yep. and end. So he sees the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's there with us. He strengthens us. And, and that is amazing. So now, now that you know Christ... You're getting strength in the Lord. Now you go on to do other things. So if we can just fast forward slightly a little bit and 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 see where did you go? 
from there once this experience was over? Well, once I stabilized myself in Christ, then God began to show me my purpose. Mm. And my purpose is what he called me to do before he put me in my mother's womb. And that was to preach the gospel and to be an evangelist. So what I did was I decided, okay, Lord, show me how to do this. Show me what you need me to do. God had me do menial jobs from 1977 when I came out of the drug program to 1978, working as a custodian and driving cab. It was driving the cab first, then working as a custodian. Then I met my wife in that church. She had come out of a bad first marriage. Her first husband was a Navy man. He was committing adultery and just doing crazy stuff. She divorced him. Well, he actually divorced her and left her with left her with two kids. So she was raising now her two children in church by herself as a single parent. I'm in church as a single man who had never been married. I didn't know anything about raising kids. We meet in church and we start serving the Lord together and we get married. We didn't, we didn't even date no time at all. I mean, I wanted a wife. She wanted a Christian husband. We got married. And then a new set of challenges came up because the two daughters, her two kids, daughters, one was 12 at the time. She's in her 50s now. The other one was eight at the time, and she's in her late 40s. So they had this bad feeling for their own father for what he did to their mother. So I come in like a bull in a china shop now serving the Lord, and I'm telling them I'm going to be your father, your stepfather. They didn't want to hear that. You're not our father. And not only that, our father was no good. So now my wife's caught in the middle between her love for her children and her new husband and myself. So I get thrust into a blended marriage coming out green. So that was the second. But by that time, I had enough stability in Christ not to go off and say, hey, I can't handle this. I'm out of here and then end up reverting and relapsing back into my old ways of life again. So. It took years to really work through that, but me and my wife got through that. What happened was in 19, that was 1978 when we got married. Then Satan came in with a witch who we thought was a Bible teacher. He would go to my wife's job with a big Bible and he would have Bible studies, but he really was a witch. And he started working witchcraft on us and we didn't know it. And it almost tore our marriage apart. But we God brought us through that. Then I go to Bible College, Central Bible College, Springfield, Missouri. They accepted me. I did a four-year bachelor's degree in Bible in three years. One semester, I did 21 units. I thought I was going to die, but I got through it. Then God opened the door for me to go to Harvard Divinity School. I was a non-traditional student because I was already in my 40s by that time. God opened the door for me to get accepted Harvard Divinity School. I moved my wife and the two girls to Cambridge, Massachusetts, did a master's in divinity at Harvard Divinity School, which was really leftist even back then. 
it's really crazy now. Some of the stuff I'm hearing now, and, I, and they were they were left of left then. But I was able to get through that and graduate with a Master of Divinity in the class of 96. And as a black conservative at that time, I was like, it was almost like, what's this guy? They thought they was going to groom me to be a Jesse Jackson or an Al Sharpton type. But when I started talking traditional Orthodox Christianity, then they began to, to turn against me. But I was able, by the grace of God, to graduate anyhow, June 6, 1996, with a Master of Divinity. And then God says, now I want you to go back into the prison system, but not as an inmate or a criminal or an ex-offender. I want you to now, I'm going to open the door for you to become a prison chaplain, a correctional chaplain for the state government of Missouri at the Missouri State Penitentiary, which was renamed Jefferson City Correctional Center. So I worked there as a chaplain in the maximum security prison in Jeff City, Missouri from 97 to 2002. That's amazing. That is com- that's the complete circle right there. I mean, it doesn't get any uh, better than that. I mean, here God takes you from being on the other side of it all the way around and brings you back to minister to those who you know, nobody had to tell you. You didn't have to read a book on how these guys were feeling. You knew how they were feeling. Exactly. And God does that so many times, doesn't he? Yes. He takes our experiences, you know, and it always reminds me that the sword that the devil tries to use to kill us is the same weapon God uses to thwart him. Exactly. It's amazing, isn't it? He makes you think of the scripture in Genesis with Joseph and his brothers, you know, where Joseph said to them, you know, you guys meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And it's the same way with the cross. You know, the enemy thought he had Jesus right where he wanted him on the cross, rejected by men. And here that same weapon that he tried to use, God used to bring salvation to a lost world. Powerful, powerful stuff. So as we wrap this up, and I know that there's many people out there listening that have relatives, friends that are involved in some kind of addiction, be it drugs or alcohol. And there's so many programs out there, secular programs and well-meaning programs that are designed to bring people out of addiction. But we both know that there's no real solution without Jesus Christ. What would you like to give our audience? What would you like to leave with them today? I would give them the truth, and the truth is simply this. Drug addiction and alcoholism are not diseases. They're sins. Mm -hmm. Because in order to become an alcoholic or a drug addict, one must choose to do a certain action which will open the door for that addiction. Now, what I just said to your listeners may not be politically correct. It's, it, in fact, it is politically incorrect, but it's the truth. Because in our contemporary society, Brussels, they are pushing drug addiction and alcoholism as diseases. They're using what's called a disease concept rather than a, a sin or moral concept. And that's why there's always been a stigma on drug, drug addicts and drug addiction and a stigma on alcoholism because both of those entities, especially drug addiction, leads people into crime. 
And what has to happen is simply this. People have got to understand the spiritual connections with drug addiction. The Bible talks about drug addiction and the Bible talks about alcoholism, doesn't call it alcoholism, doesn't call it drug addiction. The Bible says drug addiction is sorcery and witchcraft. And alcoholism is drunkenness, which will send our souls to hell if we don't repent. So that lets us know right there that there is a moral concept behind alcohol and drugs. What I would say to our listeners today is simply this. I do a lot of counseling. I do a lot of speaking. You, We're always open to do seminars, workshops, or one-on-one counseling with anyone in your listening audience that needs that. They can contact me through you, obviously. But until we deal with the moral and, and spiritual aspects of this problem, because the problem starts because we have a hole in our soul. And only when we have spiritual problems, we can't fix spiritual problems with secular solutions. When we have a spiritual issue or a spiritual problem, we have to have a spiritual issue to fix it. I agree 100%. You know, there's, there seems to be the real gap there, you know, and being in the ministry uh, and tied to uh, church work and and helping and counseling people for you know since I got saved in 1974, um, it, it's without that without that Christ element, you know it's 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 a crapshoot. It is, you know, and you could say, well, you know, this guy made out all right. He he went, you know, this and did that. Uh, they're a small percentage, but it hasn't still solved. The spiritual problem. Exactly. So even if you have the wherewithal, by God's grace, to get dry, you still have a problem. Exactly. It's called dry It's called dry drunks. And, and and the problem is we need a relationship with Jesus. Exactly. Christ. You know, and that changes us. It changes the our taste. I mean, I, I've seen God do things that blew my mind. I've seen, I've seen alcoholics come to church, come before for prayer and the altar, and leave straight as an arrow. Mm-hmm. Granted, those things don't happen every single day, but God is still able. We just have to know that there's more to it than the physical. Like exactly. You say. We have to solve both problems. And the spiritual problem started first. That's right. And led to the physical problem. Exactly. And now you end up with both, and you can't just try to cure one. You have to, it has to be that spiritual moment. There has to be that change of heart, that new creation. New creation. Right? I mean, that's what it's all about. God said, I will make you a new creation. Right. And that's. That is amazingly powerful. And become a son and daughter of the Most High God. That is the kind of adoption you want. Exactly. You know, and and so it's been awesome. We're going to get in some other conversations down the line, and we're going to talk about some some issues um, presently in in our lives and the life of this this world and this country. But uh, for today, uh, we're just so thankful. Here Chronicles of the End Times— to have Reverend Stevie with us and uh, taking the time to share his testimony and 
his personal testimony and all the things that went on in his life, um, the good and the bad and the ugly, and we all have them. So I invite you, like I always do, uh, spend some time with God today. Talk to Jesus. Open up your Bible. Go to the Gospel of John and just isolate yourself from this crazy world that's pulling on us with every kind of device known to man and trying to get our attention. I call it white noise. You got to shut the white noise down and have some silence before God and allow him to speak to you. Yes, sir. This is Russ Giles of Chronicles of the End Times. We're so glad you joined us today. And once again, thank you, Reverend Stevie. Thank you for having me. And we'll see you next time. And for everyone out there, keep on listening. Keep on looking up. The King is coming.